Are you guys all in Roll20? Yes. I notice a large map here. Is it the star map right now? Well, it's a celestial map. I don't see Ben Affleck on it, so I don't think it's a star map. I mean, I guess I should first start off by saying welcome back to It's Probably Heresy. It has been a while since we've played this, and I'm really happy that we're all back to do it again. Indubitably. Yeah, Davis and I were doing a mock battle before um, you guys showed up. Yeah, I tried to engage him in melee combat, and then I remembered I could just shoot him. I think, to be fair, it should be Martin in the gun cutter versus Zarkov on foot. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes. It's an even match at that point. Actually, I was also discussing uh, A, mods, and also making some servitors for us. Making servitors? What? Is this in the book? Yeah, get some servitor drones, like the gun emplacements and stuff. Are there rules for this in the book? That's what I mean. I don't think so. Not the creation of them, but, you know, it'd be easy enough to cook up rules for an auto turret. Isn't, like, building your own servitors heretical or something? Don't you have to buy them from official channels? Uh, I don't know if it's heretical. The implants you need to make a servitor are actually um, not that hard. Poor quality cerebral implants are what you need to turn a thinking person into a servitor. So it's, uh... I, I would figure out something if you wanted to do that. We were thinking where would we get the dead bodies, and I was thinking heretics, but John just thought uh, poor people. Well, not like poor people, but, you know, just poor people die all the time of random things, so random causes, you know. It could be kind of funny to have, like, the 40k equivalent of Gordon Ramsay or whatever turned into a servitor and manning your ship, though. We're all just also discussing whether the servitor would retain nipples or not. I mean, why would they not have nipples? What am I missing here that would cause them to lose the nipples that they had in life? Well, would you replace them with, like, you know, autocannons or something? If you're interested in getting servitors, I can figure out some rules for you getting those. So, in real life, several months ago, you'd just finished up your investigation on Acheron, which was a death world. Well, not quite a death world. More like it's a hive world with really, really bad weather. Storms, to be specific and you had helped unravel a faceless trade Xeno-artifact auction house ring down on that planet, and brought in a faceless trader named Shade, and he had agreed to give you the locations to some other faceless traders. One of those faceless traders, he said, was located on the planet Fear, um, which is a death world known for everything there being poisonous. It's a real bad place to be. And they're going, this this particular faceless trader, Tabitha, he doesn't know exactly why, but she is going there to pick up something specific. You know what? We haven't met your Inquisitor yet, at least not in the podcast. So we're going to play out the scene where you get the orders from him. Sound good to everyone? Sounds good. All right, so back on the Inquisition frigate, uh, sword class frigate, Spear of Discord, Basically, immediately where we left off in the last season. This is a ship belonging to Inquisitor Greta Margolin. You were on this planet looking for some of her acolytes. 
and there's a sort of conference room area with like nice posh leather chairs and carpeting and incense burners all around the room with like a very sort of subdued light to the place. And in the middle is a um, a hologram console for communication. It's um been fairly recently, no more than a couple days since the end of your investigations on Acheron. In that time, they've sent an astropathic choir message to your Inquisitor, updating him on the situation, and he's just sent back a response. You can't really do instantaneous communication between star systems in 40k. You have to go through astropathic choir. You guys, plus an astropath, are present in this room, and the astropath is going to relay the message from your Inquisitor to you guys. I'm guessing Zarkov isn't there. If there's an astropath? Uh, yeah. An astropath is here. Zarkov's an untouchable, right? Oh, yes. Zarkov, I believe, doesn't have any of the talents that actually dampen the psychic powers of anyone around him, because Tyrus exists, and he's trying not to mess with his mojo. The astropath is very uncomfortable being in the same room as Zarkov. He sort of has like a little handkerchief that he's like nervously dabbing at the corners of his eyes every so often as to, and constantly casting nervous glances at Zarkov. I lean over and I say, don't worry, he's a nice guy. Aren't astropaths blind? They are, actually. Damn it. Right. So he's not actually going to be <laughs> casting glances at Zarkov. Okay. Sorry to be a buzzkill. All right. I know 40k lore. Trust me. So, yes, he's blind, but you can tell he is mentally looking at Zarkov and feeling very uneasy. I still tell him, don't worry, he's a nice guy. Mm -hmm. Why don't we, at this point, actually give a really brief description of all the characters, starting with Zarkov. Zarkov is an untouchable, soulless. So, John, why don't you describe a little bit more about Zarkov? Zarkov's kind of a twitchy fellow, I guess you could say. You know, very uh, kind of detached. Another word might be awkward. They said he seeks friendship, though uh, I guess he's kind of timid to seek it. You know, he's not very trusting, though he, he his eyes yearn for friendship. He just wants to be loved. Yeah, I mean, but in the 40k universe, you know how that goes. Though, yeah, uh, he's wearing full flak, um, probably. But we're probably in our normal kit, right? Yeah, um, you can be in whatever you want to at this point. You're not expecting combat. Not expecting combat, that he's probably just in normal clothes. He probably doesn't look like anything different than a... Uh, a uh, normal uh, law enforcement officer on his day off. Because you are, in fact, a by background, you are in the Abdetus Arbides, the um, law enforcement organization, the, their yeah. version of the FBI. My, my main vocation was seeking out corrupt uh, political officials and uh, ex extracting the emperor's justice upon them. Mm -hmm. Then, um, Ketho, um, you, you spoke to Zarkov to sort of comfort him. Ned, why don't you describe Ketho a bit for us? Uh, Ketho is a man of medium-built, charismatic man uh, with sun-kissed skin, brown hair, and uh, sort of pale, goldish eyes. So dreamy. Pretty much. His One of his main abilities is swoon. Is that him swooning or other people swooning? No, I force anyone into the in the room to swoon. I mean, I can force myself to swoon if I just hold my breath for a while. <laughs> I wear relaxing, noble clothes from my homeworld where I used to be the head of the Planetary Guard, I am carrying my bolt pistol at my side. My trusty bolt pistol. But I seem quite relaxed in this place. Moving on to the next person who, I would wager, is not seeming quite so relaxed. Tyrus, the group psyker. I'm snickering at Ketho's remark that Zarkov is an okayed guy. Aww. 
Whoa, whoa. You don't think I'm telling the truth, Tyrus? I know the truth better than you ever will. You know what? Don't let your beef with me over the regicide game skewer this man's opinion of our good friend Zarkov. Gotta get those rubbins where you can. Tyrus is a man of wiry build and pale complexion. He wears a white coat. He doesn't really carry conventional weapons, but he does have a force staff on him. He has a reputation for challenging people to regicide. Uh, I don't know what else to say. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> I can keep going if you want. Well, he's a psyker, so he... Yeah, as a psyker, I use my psychic abilities mainly rather than weapons. I specialize in telepathy and telekinesis mainly. And he also has an unsatiable thirst for forbidden knowledge. There's no possible way this could get you in trouble anywhere in the Imperium. Yes, and he has a bit of a paranoid streak. He thinks demons are after him, so he wants to learn everything he can about them, whether it be heretical or not, though he doesn't let on that. Then the uh, final member of the group is um, Martin, the tech priest. Uh, so, Davis, tell us a bit about Martin. Was just a orphan, more or less, like employed on a feral world's fixing up... Uh, Old Xenos uh, technology, sewing uh, old combat drones and the like, being simple-minded. Didn't think much of it until uh, a uh, Death Watch squad raided uh, the uh, Heretech's compound, at which point, being quite young but technically adept, was taken up in uh, their service and eventually handed off to the Inquisition to be uh, trained as an engineer. Okay, so you you actually had a a bit of a a like a heretical almost uh, up, upbringing. I, I don't don't think we've talked about that a whole lot before, but no, it was just a bit about the origin. Mm-hmm. Just working with Xenos technology when he was a lot younger, but typically has a bolt pistol and keeps a shuriken pistol close to his side, well hidden, I should say. So he is a very very heavily augmented as well. Because he is a tech priest. Oh yeah, a heavily uh, carapace armor with many augmentations, which I actually plan to add more to quite soon. I mean to talk to you about that. Always more. Yes. Yes. Okay. So with the um the group all sort of gathered around this this room, the astropath uh, shuffles forward, places his robed arms on the console, and with a little. A slight flicker of psychic energy, a hologram of your Inquisitor, Saul Tiberius, sort of springs into being in the center of the room. A uh, dark, dark-skinned man with white hair. It's hard to make out much detail in the hologram, but he soon begins to speak in his uh, commanding presence. None of you have really seen him since he recruited you in the first place. He kind of has sent you doing his bidding on a couple different worlds across the galaxy for the Calixus Sector. You definitely recognize the voice immediately. And so he's, he speaks to you. Greetings, Acolytes. I have received very good tidings of your success on Acheron, and I want to congratulate you in person soon for these, these feats that you've accomplished. But in the meantime, there is no rest for those in the Emperor's service. I have reviewed the information gleaned from this faceless traitor you've captured, and you are best positioned to take the Emperor's Justice to Fear, a death world in the Azeroth Star Cluster, which is fortunately very close to Acheron. So, 
Tabitha Wright is the name of this particular faceless traitor, visiting the planet for unknown purposes. You must go there and bring her to justice by any means necessary and thwart whatever machinations she has in the world. Where did you get this name, this Tabitha Wright? You can't speak to the Inquisitor. This is just a recording. Oh. But um, Tabitha Wright was one of the names given by Shade, the faceless traitor. Without... Now, there, there is no time to dally. The Spear of Discord will take you to your destination before moving on in pursuit of other faceless traitors. May the Emperor be with you, and there will be further orders coming soon after. And with that, the hologram flickers and goes out, and the astropath um, murmurs that the transmission complete. Well, that was vague. That was what? That was vague. I mean, I know what we're supposed to go do, but we know nothing about anything other than fear is a death world fear is the planet where that beast that we slayed came from the cat thing yes the fear cat yes that was the the cat who um specifically hates psychers which is tyrus's favorite kind of cat but it was a, a large sort of tiger-like cat native to the planet and fear is a death world right yes the only permanent imperial presence on the world is a small orbital station owned by the mechanicus they actually use the planet as a research facility. And there is a small little compound on the planet's surface where uh, prisoners are brought. And they the prisoners mind the experiments and whatnot down on the planet. If the prisoners ever try to revolt, then the tech priests just remotely open all the airlocks from orbit and then bring in a new batch. Effective. <laughs> so that there is very small permanent Imperial presence there, but it is under Imperial control. Right, I'm going to just step up to the astropath and thank him for sending this message. Tyrus doesn't really get much of a chance to talk to other psychers, seeing how he almost always hides. That's his main skill, since he does not require psychoconductive circuitry, and hence why he was brought into the Inquisition in the first place. This guy does have very telltale marks of being a psyker. He's blind like all astropaths. It's part of their training procedure. They are blinded to the physical world in order to see the truer warp essence and uh, the Emperor's light more effectively. He's also got a number of like wires going into various points on his skull and a little box at the base of his skull, um, which are the, the psychoconductive circuits that help focus psychic powers. He um, nods his head and says, I am always pleased to serve the agents of the Inquisition. Yeah, sorry about the untouchable. It's unavoidable with this group. He is quite repulsive, yes. I, I thank the astropath by walking away. He sighs with relief as you go. I say, oh yeah, at least you don't have to work with him every day. I admire re your resolve as much as I pity your plight. Thank you. You get to go back to your quarters and whatnot and prepare for the journey ahead. Uh, before you go, there is time, if you want to try and acquire one item each before you go, you can do that. Oh no's one item. Mm-hmm. So you are leaving very quickly, but you have some some slight downtime to try and acquire stuff. Could Marcus uh, possibly uh, augment me with uh, synth muscles? He wanted the good grade ones, and I'm probably going to get the ridiculously overpowered ones, just because I don't care. It's also worth noting that Tyrus's nose still has a giant hole in it from the previous mission, and we have the parts to install a good quality bionic nose, so if Martin has the time, 
Tyrus would very much appreciate uh, a bit of nose surgery while we're waiting. The voyage there takes um, a week to two weeks, which is, as warp travel goes, a pretty short trip. Yeah, I thought we were going to have more time than that. We were talking about that. It's like 2d10 days, but it's also pretty, it's uh, minus the constitution. Uh, toughness. Toughness, whatever. Same difference. For uh, cybernetic recovery. Yeah, but it also says that it can be heavily influenced by like Medicaid and stuff. How about you roll the Medicaid check to install the thing? The nose? Um, actually, you know what? Um, how about we get back to this in a little bit? You can think about what you want to buy, because the main sort of thing I wanted to do today was have a little bit of flashback episodes to your character's past. So percolate on what sort of things you want to buy. We'll just sort of say what happened later. Okay, although it does say I have a good quality, not a best quality arm. I don't know if that's a mistake or not. Uh, it, it was best quality. Okay, I'll update that then. Essentially, you, you all get into your quarters in, in preparation for the warp travel. At some point over the course of this trip, uh, that is for the most part uneventful to fear, then during the one night cycle, the jeller fields on the ship flicker a little bit. The jeller fields are the little bubble that lets a imperial ship travel through the warp safely. And when those bubbles flicker, then the people on the ship tend to experience a lot of warp-tinged nightmares. And that's exactly what happens to all of your characters. And so you relive some particularly traumatic or influential event from your past in vivid detail. Yay! Woo! Yay, trauma! Hooray for trauma. But, uh, not actually. Not definitely not hooray for trauma. That's bad stuff. But this particular time let's go with um let's do zarkov first why me <laughs> because uh the, these segments are gonna be i don't think i'm gonna have you roll for anything we're just sort of going to talk through what happens to your characters and if uh, the other people involved want to like play the voices of like other bit characters they can do that i would love to do that give me a character i'm ready we flash back to zarkov's home world malfi which is a hive world off in the far-flung end of this particular sector. He's a long way from home right now. Zarkov was a very successful agent for the Arbides, eliminated a lot of corrupt nobles and the like, but there was one particular mission that did not go well, and this is the one he's reliving right now in vivid detail. Dun, dun, dun! It's a night cycle at Malfi, and we're on the outside of like a palace type building right now. And it's um relatively quiet, sort of like synthetic cricket noises play around the place. And it's the night's motionless except for a small the night is pretty still except for a small squad of armored Arbites troopers marching along the balcony of this particular building. One of those is Zarkov. A few years younger Zarkov than in present time. But he's still got those two chain swords. He's had those since character creation. That plus probably a combat shotgun. Yeah, he, he was born with them attached. When was the last time you fired your combat shotgun? He didn't fire it last season. Yeah, I, I usually go ring ding ding, despite my ability to also shoot people. Or I should say heretics. Heretics aren't people. This, this particular group lines up outside the doors to this building. You remember Zarkov from the briefing. There is a uh, Slaneshi cult, a uh, chaos cult, that has been running rampant throughout the nobility. 
and you guys have tracked the headquarters of that cult to here. Slanesh is the chaos god of excess, and he's into all the things like hallucinogenic drugs and every kind of sensory excess. Lots of lots of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. You guys are here to take that down. Is there a lead officer for uh, this mission? Yes. Who wants to play as um? Is this a comfort mission or a uh, loud mission? You are stealthily approaching, but then like kicking the door down and arresting whoever's inside. What's my name? Davian. All right, here we go. Sons of bitches down. Does my officer like me? Nobody in particular does like you, except um your partner, who's got your back, who's also on this mission. Did we establish a name for him? Uh, I don't think we did. What would you like his name to be? Let me look at this uh, generic name list right here. Most of the officers and the Arbides force gave Zarkov a pretty wide berth, him being untouchable and all, but this uh, particular officer, your partner, has always had your back and actually been a pretty good partner to you. Kind of a mentor in your early days on the force. And so he's going to be right beside you for this particular attack. Awesome. So we're heading in stealthily. All right, Commander, what are we doing? What's your, uh, what's your friend's name? I'm trying to find a name. I can, I can give him a name. If you don't care particularly. Yeah, 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 I don't care particularly. I was going to try to find a cool one like I did with Darkov. Uh, Officer Orin Stone. Orin Stone? Yes. Officer Stone, get that dumbass partner of yours, Zarkov, in line. I don't want anyone fucking this mission up. You got it, boss. All right, Zarkov, keep it tight when we go in through the uh, the entryway. We don't know what's going to be on the other end. I give him an, uh, just a nod in response, not wanting him to piss off my officer. All right. All right, man. No quarter. They won't give you any kind of chance. You get in there, you kill everything you see. We ready to breach. You got it, Sarge. Zarkov moves forward to help breach the door. All right. Officer Stone loads a uh, executioner round into his combat shotgun and fires it right into the door, which um, blows the lock to pieces and sends the door swinging inward. And the whole squad of our buddies fans in through the door, combat shotguns raised. There is, in the entry room, absolutely no one there. Were we fed false information? Shut up, Zarkov! Check the area! I fan out and search. By the way, the, the Arbides armor looks a lot like... I mean, it. let's be real, it's a blatant ripoff of the Judge Dread armor. It was designed that way. Games Workshop likes to borrow ideas from people. And so they, they've got... It's like full carapace armor covering most of the body, except like open mouth essentially. And uh, as you venture further into the room, then there's a, a hiss, and wafts of pink fumes fill the whole uh, the whole room. Zarkov, you feel your mind starting to swim, and you manage to um, keep yourself together, but some of the other officers start, like, falling to the ground and, like, just looking at their hands and screaming, or, like, firing their shotguns wildly at all corners of the room. Or like running, just running in panic throughout the building. Something is causing a very powerful hallucinogenic effect in here. As that happens, then a bunch of masked people with like silver knives rise out from behind furniture and jump towards all of you. How many are they? You're at outnumbered probably two to one at this point. Silly them, they can't do math. They're outnumbered. There's one of me. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> all right. So what do you do? 
Uh, I guess I moved to help my uh, companions, uh, in particular staying close to Officer Stone, trying to protect him if he's hallucinating. He is, but he's he's not as, as badly affected as a lot of the other people. Cultists with knives run in from all directions, and you see two of the officers go down as they are stabbed in the neck and face by multiple assailants. Oh, jeez. I try to help him. Ah, battle cry! All right, you, uh... You got your chain swords out? Oh yeah, baby. Alright, so you, you ring-ding-ding your way through many people. Just uh, tur- turn the whole room into a mess. The Arbides officers, with time, sort of get their bearings, but they've been overwhelmed quite heavily. They, they start fighting back with shotguns, but um, it's a, a bloodbath. And by the end of it, the only people surviving are you and Officer Stone, who you fought to protect among the whole um, clash of cultists. This sort of pink fog fades away, uh, drifting out the door, and you survey the carnage around you. I look at him and I go, this isn't good. There must be more afoot here, though. Do we see the chamber? the chambers still open that they came through, like uh, further in? Yes, further into the rooms. There's more unexplored. I head in. We must purge this place. There seems to be like a ritual chamber on the other side, that has um, pink and black are like the colors of Slanesh, and those colors are uh, on tapestries draped in abundance around the room, all uh, depicting scenes of excess of various kinds. There's six um, people sort of tied up in the center of the room. Uh, they're tied up? Uh, I guess I moved to go help them. Yeah, it's a, a mix of people in various age range from like low 20s to high 40s all looking like sort of common people of the hive. As you move to untie them all, then um, one woman says, oh, thank, thank you so much for coming. I don't know what, what we are in for, but you got here just in time. There's no one, uh, I say there's no time to chit-chat. We must get out of here. Is there anyone else around, like like any more captives? This seems to be all, these six of them. There's no like uh, enemies around, but there's a lot of pink and purple like tapestry and such. Lots of pink and purple tapestries. Uh, sorry, I meant pink and uh, black or whatever. Sorry. P- pink and black, yeah. There's also purple. I like purple. Not this purple. You don't like this purple at all. It's a bad purple. Yeah, I guess I w- with these new people, I would try to at least escort them out before uh, if heading further in. Yeah. All right. I mean, this you've um this is the last room in the complex. Oh. You've, uh, you've cleared mm. the whole place at this point. That's scary. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess I, I guess I, um, there's no sign of our, like, actual target, though? No, you were sent here to assassinate the, the leader of the cult, and no leader seems to have been found. I got Martin over here chanting, kill them all, but, um... <laughs> yeah, kill them all. <laughs> I don't think that's what Zarkov would do. I mean, I guess he would prioritize their safety for now. I mean, he's lost a lot of his, uh, you know, he's lost his commanding officer and uh, a lot of his men. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else in the room of note? Uh, there are a number of like silver ritual symbols drawn on the floor, but you don't have a lot of knowledge of that particular thing. I don't got none of that forbidden knowledge. Nope. I look among all of the uh, prisoners and ask them if they uh, know who the leader is or if any of them is a traitor. One of the people speaks up. I don't know. They all... Everyone has masks. I couldn't tell... Who was the leader, honestly? It all just was a blur since we got in here. 
Uh, I'm just going to hope that one of the, the mass people we I murdered earlier in that bloodshed was one of the leaders, and I'm going to get out of there and make sure everyone's safe. You sort of lead the way out, and Officer Stone takes up the rear and makes covers the rear, makes sure everyone is out. As you get onto the walkway out at the top, you sort of like look back at um, the group of people you have following you. The woman who first spoke to you just sort of looks directly at you and smiles and pulls from within her robes her own knife. And she uh, grabs your uh, partner, Officer Stone, by the top of the helmet, pulls his head back and plunges the knife right into his throat. Oh, God! As you move towards her, she pushes the body towards you and vaults off the balcony out of your sight. Uh, let me rephrase that. My emperor! <laughs> that is the more accurate one. Can I, can I run after her? Because I am definitely not happy now. Uh, yeah, you can definitely run after her. I run as fast as my little Arbity's legs can carry. As, um, as this, this person runs, you see their... Um, actually, they, they were wearing sandals, but they kick off the sandals and their legs sort of like elongate and sprout into like a, a pair of like legs. Uh, reverse jointed with cloven hooves and they uh that that's a form typical of slanesh demon or slanesh's gifts to his followers and with her newfound speed even zarkov can't keep up with her and you hear her laughing as she runs off into the distance what did she say her name was when i she didn't give her name i just start screaming damn you damn you all to hell you knew that the um the leader of the the cult was supposed to be named Sybil, so that would uh, probably be her. Well, then I'll I scream out, Damn you, Sybil! Damn you to hell! If she's clearly gotten away, I go back to mourn Officer Stone, my one friend. He's sort of got just a little bit of life left in him as you get back. And he says, oh, that, that could have gone better. I'm sorry, my old friend. I wasn't quick enough. You fought. You fought well. You as well. Find her sometime and bring her to justice for all of us. And with that, he expires. Your dream swirls into a murky, indistinct, nightmarish chorus at that point. I just scream out, stop! Tears in my eyes. That is uh, Zarkov's flashback. The one, one time he really messed up on a mission. He lost the one thing he values most, a friend. Those don't come easily Aww. to Zarkov. Sorry, was Ned playing that person, or is that someone else? I got lost. Uh, Ned was the commanding officer. I was actually um, Zarkov's partner. Okay. Yeah, my, my officer didn't like me very much, but it was well played. Thank you, Ned, for your feet. My pleasure. My pleasure. The next person I have in mind is either Martin or Ned makes the most sense to do next. Which one of you wants to go? I'll go, because I have to leave at 10. Okay. All right. Well, um, we'll do Ned's next, then. I think probably after after Ned's one, then we'll take care of uh, shopping and probably call it for the night. I mean, if we're going to do one more, we can also do Martin's. That's up to Davis. All right, Carman. I need a little time to think anyway. Let's go through Ketho's suffering. Yes. So the one I had in mind for Ketho is, um, I think we talked about this, Ned, but I can't remember, is um flashing back to the night that your sister was assassinated. The thing that sort of sent you on your path away from Gintilla and eventually to the Inquisition. Yes, that would be my second most traumatic moment in my life. A good one. 
What's the, the first most traumatic? Misplacing my bolt gun. <laughs> if you want to hear that one, listen to season one. But uh, on to Ketha's second most traumatic memory. He just had finished a day full of many official meetings. You, you're currently the, um, the head of security for your house. The Seneschal, effectively. Policing your subordinate nobles for corruption. Uh, watching for plans of assassination, that sort of thing. And it has been a busy, busy day. Meetings with heads of the guard, with nobles who are complaining that others are cheating on their taxes. And, like, so, a, 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 someone came to you, like, with a request for a bunch of, like, VFW folding chairs. You don't know why you, specifically, that's not your job, but they were there and they were angry. So it's it's been an exhausting day. <laughs> that sounds like it. I could use a drink. Perhaps you, um, at some point during the night, meet up with your sister. Do you do that, like, after you get drinks? Do you go get drinks, like, with sister? Do you... What's, um... What's, I'd probably what's... Meet, I would probably meet her for drinks. Okay. What's the establishment that, uh, Ketho prefers for drinks? What's it like? Uh, the name of it is Ghana's Bar. It's a high-class, fancy, swanky liquor establishment imports only only the finest domestics go through much more scrutiny and none has ever been accepted to Ganis bar so that's the perfect place to go on wine somewhere you know where style and manners and you know, things matter and you are treated to the best things in life yes now um in the the current moment of the campaign Catho was uh, like the present day Ketho, I think, was in his 50s, though he appears younger because of um, anti-aging treatments. Correct. Yes. Um, so at this point, you would have been in, like, 30s, probably. Late 30s. Right. Seems about right. Mm-hmm. Your sister is um, just uh, two years your junior, so a similar age as you. And uh, she's already there when you get to the bar. Great. I will order some drinks. Does anyone want to play the bartender? What can I get you, lad? <laughs> Johan, what do you have? What do you have that's new? I need something to excite me, to wake me up from this nightmare. A nightmare, you say? Well, we've got a fine import off of uh, Lannis. I don't even... What's a nearby planet? Near to Scintilla? Probably Iacanthus. Well, we've got a fresh import off from Iacanthus. It's sure to cheer you up. From Iacanthus? I've never had a drink from Iacanthus that has excited me at all. What is it? Oh, if that's not your vocation, I can get you something else, my lord. No, no, no. You seemed intent to sell it, so sell it. What is it? What am I? Uh, it's a nice, uh, <laughs> nice light ale. Here, try it. Oh, or Amasek. It's a nice light Amasek. Space beer. Space beer by Space Beer Corporation. Face schlager, space lager. Johan, if that isn't delicious. Oh, I'm glad you like it. He is the best. I appreciate your praise, but why are you living through a nightmare? Oh, it's just work, 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 work. I want a bottle of this, by the way. Someone was asking me for lawn chairs or something. I don't even know. How is that even my job? Aren't you head of security, my lord? Yeah, that's what I thought. How is that even my job? At this point, your uh, your sister sidles up next to you and says, "They should have. They should have been looking for me. I'm the one who handles the internal, peaceful stuff like that." Yeah, so what were those chairs all about? I got my ear blasted out by some angry man. Blah, 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 blah. I almost shot him. I must confess, he was uh, 
very angrily coming after me at one point, so I shunted him off to your department. Figured we can play hot potato with him for a while. He'll get the chairs eventually, but when he's learned some manners. Well, send him to one of our aunts. They'll give him some good uh, paperwork to go through. <laughs> Cheerful camaraderie laughter. Bartender joins in. <laughs> All right. Let's get drunk. And montage of drinking commences. At this point, you stay there for a while, a couple hours, after which you um, go back to the family estate. You both have rooms in the same manor-type building, so you walk each other back there, both of you gabbing at each other as you go. As you get up to towards the room, then your sister's like, wait, Avo is like the sort of pet name that your family has for you, right? I think so. Yeah. He's like, hey, Avo, you should... Come in here for a moment. I have, I want to talk for a sec. You're drunk. No, I'm not. You're talk. drunk. All right. All right. I swear to the drunk, I'm not the emperor. Okay. okay. Well, that's that's a serious oath. It is. I'm very serious. Oh, I better listen. That's serious. You praise to the drunk. That's that's big. Yeah. The two of you sort of stumble into the the room, and then um. It's like a, the sort of like sitting room before her proper quarters. And so she sort of sits down and um, suddenly seems like a little bit melancholy. And she just sort of like looks at you and says like, you ever think about like where you're going in life and like how we don't we don't really get a choice in it. Like we do all this this stuff and and it's and we we go and we take care of this and we take care of that. and It's just all. It's all turning the hamster wheel, and we never get to go anywhere. We're just stuck in the same place. Oh, yeah, but that's what, that's what drinks are for. <laughs> Wait here, I'll get another one. And just sort of um, walks away, and it's like, you could, and like looks over, back over her shoulder at you, and says like, you should, you could be something more than just security here, you know. You could, you're talented, you could go... Some anywhere in this galaxy, do anything you wanted, and you'd do it great. You'd do it great, Katha. Okay, well, as long as I don't end up on some sort of elite force sent to a death world for some sort of mission, that'll <laughs> never happen. Yeah. That would suck. And she uh, sort of smiles at you and then walks, walks into her like room, and then you hear just a, a sudden panicked scream and a crackling of energy from the room. I try to get up suddenly stumble over, and then stumble back onto my feet and stumble my way to the door. Standing there is a person you've never seen before, but another person in the party has. They haven't seen him at this point in time, but in the previous season, way back in episode two, Tyrus saw this person. They're wearing a tarnished sort of silver mask and purple robes. Tyrus saw him like through a crowd for a fleeting moment, but this is the first time you've seen him. And he's standing with a sword blade driven right through your sister's chest. The window behind is open and the curtains are swaying in the breeze. I pause for a minute, just completely, like, stunned. And I just think grimace, like, you son of a bitch! And I go to grab my sidearm. He, um, reaches his hand out. A blast of concussive force sends your sidearm scurrying across the room. He twists the sword blade in your sister's chest and kicks her off the sword. She falls to the ground. No! I charge right at him. 
You might have a chance if you were sober, but not drunk. Yeah, that's fair. He uh goes to the side and just um swings the flat of the blade around and uh smacks you across the back of the head, sends you sprawling onto your stomach, and he just sort of looks at you and says, Not now. The masters have not said it is your time. You have a role to play still. Not now. Well, it's your time to die! And scramble to get up again. And he uh, blasts you with another concussive blast of psychic energy and sends you tumbling across the room. A uh, glimmering gateway appears in the air behind him, and he steps back through it and vanishes. And as, as you stumble to your feet and try to go after him again, the gateway vanishes. And you're left alone in the room with your dead sister. I scream and tear the whole place apart. Sad music, please. Sad music. That's it. Perfect. Sad music. The end. <laughs> your nightmare dissolves into muddy, tormented images again. Ugh. 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 So, soon afterwards, then, Ketho uh, abandoned his post as head of security and left the house in disgrace to go and try and track down whoever this person was who had killed his sister. And just refresh my memory, what, when did Matt see him? Or when did uh, Tyra see him again? Like, what was the exact circumstances? It was after you met Eldrick Marin for the first time and uh, had the scuffle in the square that ended with um, he challenging him to a duel the, pre the following day. Matt passed an awareness check and saw this person in a tarnished silver mask and purple robes watching you guys from across the square. Ah, yes, 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 yes. You never did see him again after that point. But still. Was I told about this guy? No. I don't think Tyrus told anyone. I definitely did not. Tyrus figured it was just his own business and decided to not say anything. It wasn't important to the mission. Before we go, do you want to do um, take care of the shopping this time? Get that done real quick. And next time we meet, we can have uh, the flashbacks for Tyrus and for Martin. Um... Tyrus, do you have anything you want to get? Uh, Tyrus does not seek material things, but seeing how he does have a chance to scrounge up some goods while he is in transit, he's going to be looking for a pair of best quality magnoculars. Surprise, surprise, I fail. You're close enough that um, you were going for best quality, right? Yes. That's good enough to acquire a good quality version, so I can give you that. Also, what, so what, what does Tyrus get when going to a jungle planet? A pair of binoculars. So yeah, yeah. he won't be able to see anything because there's trees <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> see, I already have uh, kind of built-in filtration stuff on my nose because I was thinking of getting like a gas mask or something, but I don't know if that would work on fear. The atmosphere is actually breathable on fear. It's just everything has venom and poison and wants to hurt you. Yeah. I didn't see any kind of anti-venom stuff. There's um something called detox, which you yeah. Inject. I'm actually gonna want some of those drugs. I was looking. At. I'd like to think that we get some when we get to the planet, but one should never assume these things in the Inquisition. Why do you guys want drugs? Like we'll, we'll get go insane, have addictive. Uh, because penalties. I want to stick you full of all of the combat drugs, John. All of uh, de um detox is more like an an epipen for um poison like just like a, a big old syringe full of uh agents to neutralize any sort of poison in you 
Yeah, but I, I know uh, I was talking about Mr. Martin over there is talking about things like slot and f- frenzied or whatever it's called. Friends on that that stuff is. I don't remember what it does in this edition. I just remember in like first edition, like using a slot on your character was like basically the same thing as lighting your character sheet on fire. Like the the hangover effects were like permanent loss of multiple different ability scores and just awful awful stuff but it's it's not nearly as bad now i think it's now a thing that a player can actually use well you know what we got to get matt hooked on though uh mr tyrus is that spook stuff <laughs> increase your sci rating by one wait there's a there's a drug that increases my sci rating yes there is oh god does the emperor condone drug use the emperor is fine with drug use is that on a poster somewhere <laughs> Probably. Side effects is like plus 25 uh, to your role of psychic phenomena. That's probably won't do anything bad. Tyrus legitimately, because like Tyrus, you know, he's into lots of forbidden stuff, but he's never actually like heard of this like in character. Mm-hmm. All of these are addictive, by the way. Yeah, I was about to ask about that. <laughs> Tyrus has pretty good willpower score. He should be fine. Trust, trust me, guys. I know what I'm doing with these highly dangerous drugs. Yeah. I am the spook. All right, guys, run. It was very playing. It's nice being back. I will catch you all. Um, Matt, hold on quick. Matt, I sent you a message on Facebook. Um, what do you say to that? Uh, I mean, do we have time for that? Because, I mean, maybe we could do that. But I don't know if, if Ned's leaving, we probably shouldn't do it. I think it, it's just like a very, very quick scene, just like describing you taking it out. Yeah, so I'm just thumbing through um, one of the items that we retrieved at the heretical auction. Mm-hmm. It's the uh, uh, Eric. Remind me the name of it. The book set that we got. It's uh, Brenner's Atlas Obscura. Um, you. It was a, a seven book set of sort of an encyclopedia on another forbidden knowledge. Um, you pull out um, book number nine of the seven book set. Wait, what? Yes, it's my light reading. Hmm? Your your light reading. And um, if I may describe it, Tyrus. Go ahead. As he pulls out book number nine from the seven book set, the book shifts and it, uh, this sort of illusion falls away and reveals the book is actually like solid gold trim on the very edges of it. The cover is just like iridescent blue feathers and the sort of feathers like ruffle a little bit as he brings the book up closer to his face. Tyrus uh, opens the book and begins to read. Um, how, um, Tyrus, how, how was Tyrus feeling after this last encounter in last season where you went in, like, with this hot new psychic power, feeling like at the top of your game and it wasn't enough? You got shredded by a shuriken catapult and nearly died. How do you feel? Tyrus is very upset about this. He obviously needs more power. He must go deeper. He must understand everything yes and so this book oh my god i have been waiting real life years for this this is the book from lannis 5 when you guys stopped the chaos ritual um matt sent me a text saying like i want to grab the book that those guys were using for this ritual oh god and i rolled spot checks for all of you and none of you saw it so he's just had this book of chaos lore for the entire campaign since then. All of last season. Yes. Oh god. 
<laughs> Tyus looks around and he realizes, oh crap, I'm, re- I'm reading this out in the open, aren't I? You're in the middle of the spaceport now. You're in your quarters. I shut it as casually as I can and put it back and pull out one of the actual books in the book set and start reading that. As he puts the book back, it morphs and takes on the appearance of the other books around it again. Yes. Isn't that very ominous, this whole thing? <laughs> are, you, are you saying this out loud to me? No, I'm not. They're in your quarters. Oh, is, is anyone? Yeah, is that, sorry. Are we feeling this in character or just the players? The, none of the characters know about this. Zarkov's watching you from the corner of the room. It's like everybody, all, all the other acolytes and uh, interrogator Rexler Salt are all in the corner of the room when this is happening. What the? <laughs> okay, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to like put the book away then. No, um, um, you don't have to. It's, um, you, none of, this was just a moment where all the players see it, but none of the characters do. Curse dramatic irony. When I'm done, I put the book back amongst the real books and then it does the morphing thing again mm-hmm. yes i when when did we finish up the lannis arc was it like 2014 something like that yeah, yeah. it was a long time ago it's since then tyrus has had that book oh god just so waiting like, for the right rainy day to read up on some chaos this will go great with my new painting oh yes you've got that too i don't wish to become a chaos sorcerer i only wish to understand that or just turn into a demon. I mean, Chaos Sorcerers didn't want to be Chaos Sorcerers, man. Yeah. They were weak. <laughs> this is going to go great. Tyrus is much stronger than they were. He can control it. We are all going to die. <laughs> Pretty much the goal of this game, honestly. It's true. We're winning so far. We're not dead. Yet. I think that's a perfect time to end the session. Uh, all right. Nice playing, guys. Have a good night. Yeah, start things off on a real saucy note for the new season. Thank you for listening to It's Probably Heresy. You can support the show on the Patreon page for It's Probably Heresy, and our work is also available on a number of other sites and podcast services. If you see anything heretical, you can contact the Acolytes through Patreon or by emailing itsprobablyheresy at gmail.com with no apostrophe. Though few may know of your service, the Emperor thanks you for your sacrifice.